Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture here at, here at midweek. Thank you for joining us. In the news today, the White House backs off from an expected biofuels deal. And most of the uh, renewable fuels industry, I think, feeling that uh, no news is good news. They feared a bad deal, but the president has backed off. And uh, we'll get more on that in the days ahead. Meanwhile, trade concerns continue over tariffs and retaliation. And we are getting closer to seeing what the Senate Ag Committee's version of the next farm bill will look like. In fact, let's start there. Joining us now is Phil Brasher, Senior Editor for AgriPulse Communications. Phil, thanks for joining us. And uh, we are getting very close to seeing the Senate Ag Committee's uh, um, version and vision for the farm bill, right? Yes, we are. We should uh, be seeing it by the end of the week. Uh, Chairman uh, Pat Roberts uh, still talking about uh, uh, bringing this before the committee, and it should go fairly smoothly when it uh, does uh, next Wednesday, a week from today. Amazing how different uh, it is in on the Senate side from the House side as far as not that there aren't differences that will need to be ironed out, but how much more smoothly it's going, at least publicly, it, it would seem to come out of committee with bipartisan support, something we did not see on the House side. Yes, it uh, it should be, as I said, very, very smooth. I think the other thing that's going to be important about this bill, it's going to be very much a status quo bill. Um, this committee is going to fund programs that were left unfunded by the other uh, by the House, uh, by the House bill, they are not going to have the. From what I, uh, our sources uh, tell me, uh, they are not going to have the big increase in conservation reserve program that the uh, uh, House bill has as well. And of course, they're not going to have the uh, uh, the changes uh, to the uh, food stamp program SNAP that the House bill has, and that uh, were so controversial and cost. Uh, the, made it so difficult to pass. And Majority Leader McConnell already talking about uh, getting it time on the floor to get a uh, vote on it, right? Yes, he is. He uh, said yesterday that uh, they're going to, uh, the Senate is going to do the def- uh, defense authorization bill and the farm bill uh, by the time they break for the 4th of July. So that means in June, that means very quickly after this bill goes to committee. It's very much a priority for him. Uh, a couple of other things he said in recent days uh, is that uh, he's not concerned about whether this will help uh, Democrats in uh, states like uh, North Dakota and Indiana to get reelected. Um, so that takes the political, seems to take the political consideration out of this and smooths the way for, uh, uh, for, for passing it as well. Uh, not to mention the fact that it just is not going to have the uh, uh, the partisanship attached to it that the House bill has. Yeah, meanwhile, on the House side, we're not hearing much of anything right now. Right. Well, they've got to sort their way through. The Republicans have to have this immigration issue that has uh, divided their conference so sharply. Uh, they have a, a meeting scheduled tomorrow to see if they can agree on a path forward on that. That's the, uh, as you back at Bay, conservatives refused to vote for the farm bill until they could first get a vote on, on immigration. 
Uh, and now they're trying to, uh, the Republicans are trying to figure out what those, what they're going to vote on um, here in here in June, which would presumably clear the way for another, a second vote on the uh, farm bill. Does the outcome of that immigration vote impact the votes on the farm bill? Well, the chairman of the Ag Committee, Mike Conaway, does not think it does. He, he uh, believes that uh, the House, uh, that those conservatives who voted against the bill, will, or enough of them anyway, uh, who voted against the bill because of the immigration issue, will, will come back and vote for the farm bill regardless of the, of the outcome. Uh, we'll see. It's just it's a it's a very difficult the immigration issue is a very difficult one for uh, the Republican conference, um, as you know, uh, because they're they're so sharply divided and there's so many different interests on you know, border security versus dealing with the Dreamers. Of uh, ag groups would love to see farm worker issues uh, addressed, but that's a very very heavy lift. It doesn't seem likely. You know, for all the wrangling and all the angst and all the uh, trouble to get the, this House bill done, when it's all said and done, the final bill is going to look a lot more like the Senate version than the House version, isn't it? Oh, it has. Well, it has to practically because it needs 60 votes to get through the. A, a bill is going to need 60 votes to get through the Senate, and that means you've got to have a number of Democrats supporting it. So yes, I think what's what we're going to see coming out of the Senate Ag Committee is going to look a lot like what uh, goes to, if it does, if we get agreement, is what goes to uh, President Trump uh, later this year. Now, that's still a long way off, uh, but uh, this is this is the bill that can pass the Senate. Um, you know, the big question now is how hard to Republicans over in the House and uh, Speaker Paul Ryan, how hard do they push uh, for reforms to the food stamp program? And are they willing to accept a bill that's going to need a lot of Democratic votes in the House, a final bill we're talking about? It's going to need a lot of Democratic uh, votes. And will they bring that bill back to the House, even though it just has uh, probably very minimal changes to the food stamp program? That's uh, a long way down the road yet, uh, but that's the probably the biggest unanswered question, and we're not going to know the answer to that question for quite a while. Yeah, what's the feeling there in Washington? Will a farm bill get done this year? Well, there's certainly still hope. Now, the important thing to remember is a bill hasn't been introduced and acted on, a farm bill hasn't been acted on this late in an election year um, since 1990. Uh, farm bills are generally introduced in one year, and they're not acted on, finally sent to the president until the next year or the year after that. That's certainly what happened with the last farm bill in 2014. Uh, you could actually argue that they started work on that in 2011. Uh, the last time they did it, the, the way that uh, Congress is trying to do now was in 1990. But that was also a fairly non-controversial status quo bill. Uh, it went through fairly, went to the floor in July and uh, actually got stopped off, uh, before the end of the year. Uh, that's what's going to happen this time around, which means you're going to have to have a fairly non-controversial status quo bill like the Senate bill um, in order 
to get it done this year. So it's it's still very much possible. I think there's certainly more hope, more reason for hope now uh, with the way things are proceeding in the Senate uh, than there was um, a month or two ago. It's doable, but it still has a ways to go, that's for sure. Phil, good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Okay. Okay, sure. Great to be here. Phil Brasher, Senior Editor for AgriPulse Communications. All right, coming up next, the President of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Skunas, will join us. We're going to talk about lawsuits uh, against EPA. We're going to talk about the news that uh, turned out to be no news yesterday from the White House on a biofuels announcement. And, of course, we have trade issues. All that coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. All right, guys. We're ready for our four season sunroom and daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh no, wait. A family hub. Yeah! No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. 
Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Hey, welcome back. Let's uh, talk with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Skunas. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Uh, I'm very good. Uh, Good to be talking to you. Lots going on. We thought we might be talking about the White House's latest announcement on the biofuels and the RFS, but uh, they pulled back from that. And I, I would guess uh, in the case of the renewable fuels industry for ethanol, no news is good news because um, I think most in the industry were expecting something from the White House either Monday or yesterday that uh, they weren't going to like. So I guess uh, no news is good news in this case. I, I think so. You know, we're we're certainly looking for, you know, parity in the uh, ethanol market with E15 and, and blends above, you know, 10% uh, for the reed vapor pressure. But, you know, any I think any fix that was going to come with that, anything they were talking about may have uh, may have canceled out any any good that the RVP fix was going to put in there. So, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, no news is maybe good news right now. But still waiting for some news on the E15 situation. Meanwhile, uh, I think voices like Senator Grassley and Senator Ernst from Iowa, I think uh, those voices helped the cause at the White House uh, when it came to this latest announcement. Oh, absolutely. You know, our champions uh, in the in the Senate, you know, Grassley and Ernst, they do a great job of, uh, you know, standing up for, for ethanol. And, and uh, you know, obviously the ethanol industry is so important to corn you know, we have 15 billions of uh, gallons of of the uh, renewable vo- uh, volume obligation for the RFS and is corn ethanol. It's a very important market, you know, to the corn growers. Our livestock industry is our is our oldest and best customer. But but to help get rid of our our abundant supply of corn, we need a robust uh, ethanol market, and and they certainly help uh, voicing their opinions on that. Not that this issue is over. Of course, there's the uh, the legal issue as well as uh, the National Corn Growers Association, one of the groups and part of a coalition um, taking EPA to court to try to uh, resolve this waiver issue. Uh, tell us about your decision to be part of this coalition. Well, so, you know, part of the coalition was the, uh, you know, RFA uh, ACE, which is the American Coalition for Ethanol, National Farmers Union, and, and National Corn Growers Association, you know, are uh, filed a lawsuit for the small refinery waivers that uh, that uh, Administrator Pruitt and the EPA have, have granted lately. We believe that, you know, the transparency in these negotiations is far from what we would like to see. We know that the small refineries have to, you know, prove financial hardship before they're granted these waivers we don't believe that has happened we know that the oil industry is you know making great profits right now and we just think that with the farm economy struggling the way it is epa just seems to be blanket uh granting these waivers for these small refiners we thought that was wrong so we filed suit so we could you know hopefully stop the action and, and maybe even reverse some of it that's gone on so far and we'll see those those things can take a while, but uh, if nothing else, it sends it sent a strong message, I think, again to the White House about uh, how serious this issue is for rural America. It certainly does. We, you know, it, it just, you know, we. I, I cannot stress enough. You just said it. You know, for rural America, 
you know, as rural America goes, as farmers goes, you know, most of our country goes. We know, you know, agriculture and food production is so important to our country. We have, you know, we have abundant, safe, affordable food in, in the U.S., and we want to keep it that way. But we know that we're at a, you know, we're at a crossroads right now. We're, we're at a five-year low of commodity prices. Actually, the net farm income uh, that USDA has pegged for 2018 is probably going to be at about half of what, what it was five or six years ago and probably the lowest in the last 12 or 13 years. So we have farmers struggling out in the countryside, and, and we need some relief from, from the, uh, some of these problems. We have so much uncertainty right now. We, we don't have a farm bill that's going to expire. We have these ethanol issues that we're, you know, trying to fight. We also have, uh, you know, trade. You know, um, there's just a lot of things going on. We know that we have a NAFTA deal in place. We're working on, you know, renewing that, and we'd like to see that go forward. And, all, and the tariffs that are going on are hurting agriculture by the day, and, and we just think we need to get some surety going in some of these things. We're talking with Kevin Schoonis, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Well, let's talk trade. Mexico has released its list of uh, U.S. products that they are going to retaliate against. On that list, pork shoulders and legs, uh, apples, ham, potatoes, and some cheeses. Corn left off that list, at least for now, so you have to be breathing a sigh of relief on that. But still, anytime we get into tariffs and retaliation, uh, that is not a good scenario for for agriculture, is it? I mean, even if it's not your specific commodity at the moment, it still impacts all of agriculture. Well, ab- absolutely. And so we're we're talking about tariffs on steel and trade, and they're going to retaliate against agriculture products. And and you know, one one thing that we like to talk about, you know, we certainly like to export our our corn in in you know higher higher value products well part of our higher value products is pork and, we, and so we know that's you know that's taking part of the corn market away but we just think it's the wrong thing to do to you know we we are certainly glad that that corn specifically is not on either list canada or or mexico but yet agricultural products as a whole is, is you know take taking the brunt of this and and we think we need to go forward with this hopefully you know cooler heads will prevail we'll get back to the bargaining table and and, you know, these tariffs probably won't ever, uh, uh, you know, take effect. And, and that's what we're hoping. Coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk with past president of the National Pork Producers Council, Ken Mashoff, about about this tariff situation and its impact on pork. But, uh, Kevin, you've really hit the theme of what we were hearing last week at the World Meat Congress, uh, how corn growers uh, view and, and certainly support the livestock industry as a tremendous market for for corn. So if the pork industry in this case is being hurt by these tariffs, that does hurt corn growers. Oh, absolutely. I, I make it a point to say, just like I, I said at the beginning of the show, you know, our, our livestock industry, our livestock customers are our, our oldest and best customers. You know, it, it is a relatively flat market for us. So we have to go out there and advocate for other markets which we're doing right now, you know, ethanol is the number one priority for us. And I'm actually in St. Louis this week. We're at the uh, Corn Utilization and Technology Conference where we're, we have people here that are trying to, you know, we're trying to find new uses for corn. We know that we'll probably never find another ethanol, but we need five or six or maybe even ten new things that maybe add up to what ethanol is. And, and we have a lot of, a lot of bright people here in St. Louis. 
with a lot of new ideas, and we're trying to foster those and, and see if we can get some of those to market so we can use up more of our corn pile. Having attended that meeting in the past, the Corn Utilization Conference, it is amazing the different things. Uh, we're, we're reminded of all the different things that can be made from corn. And as you said, some have greater market uh, potential than others, but uh, sometimes we take for granted all those l- smaller markets. Well, together added up, they do make a difference. Well, absolutely. And we're talking about, you know, big data, which is going to help in, you know, that. so that's going to help in the production of corn, but it's also going to help us, you know, know what we can put together for utilizing corn. We, you know, we have, uh, you know, we have people here talking about how, how corn, you know, the, uh, our, our industrial grade, you know, plastic, made into plastics, our industrial grade oil can be made into plastics, into so many different things. And, and yes, some of these don't use an awful lot of corn, but they will add up in the end, and we have to foster all these ideas. And, and there's a lot of very, very bright, smart people here, and, and I'm just happy to see a, a good attendance here in St. Louis. Yeah, it's amazing the technology that uh, is available and uh, the research that is being done and uh, the opportunities there. I want to talk to you one more uh, item on trade, and that's China. I know you're watching that closely. That's been a, a roller coaster ride up and down. Still a lot of hope there, but a lot of challenges. Well, absolutely. You know, China, you know, over the years for corn growers, you know, has been, a, you know, not a real big market. It's kind of an on-again, off-again. You know, we, we have shipped them a lot of dried distillers grains over the years. They have bought some corn over the years. You know, but they're a big market for soybeans. And, and Mike, you know, most in, in the U.S., most corn growers are soybean growers and, and vice versa. So it, it's a big market for us. We also know that China has talked about, you know, going to uh, E10 in their fuel supply. They need to try and clean up the, uh, the air over in China. That would be a, you know, a huge market. They would never be able to produce all of their own ethanol at one time. They'll also need, you know, some some products to, to make ethanol out of it. They're going to make their own their own ethanol in China. So we, we view that as a as an up and coming market. And of course, you know, the the need for protein across the world in places like India and China is, is a big thing too. So we're looking at that as expanding markets and and you know, hoping that. Uh, you know, like I said, even in China, all the cooler heads can prevail. We'll get back at the bargaining table, and, and tariffs, you know, won't, won't be a barrier there either. All right, Kevin, enjoy the Corn Utilization Conference, and thanks for being with us. All right, thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. Kevin Schoonis, president of the National Corn Growers Association. So that event's going on in St. Louis. Another big event going on at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines, World Pork Expo. We'll talk with NPPC past president Ken Mashoff next. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. 
Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, wheat futures leading advances once again on this Wednesday. Some traders betting that bad crops in the Black Sea region could create more demand for U.S. grain. In Chicago, wheat trending 18 to 20 cents higher, 18 to 19 better in Kansas City, and a dime to 11 cents higher in Minneapolis spring wheat. Meanwhile, in corn and soybeans, we've seen mixed activity so far on this Wednesday, an hour into the trading day. A penny to two higher corn and in soybeans. July soybeans closed little changed on Tuesday. Since May 24th, July soybeans have tumbled from 10.50 and three quarters into Tuesday's low at 9.97 and a quarter. The market said to be vulnerable to a test of major daily chart support at 9.94.5 to 9.92.5. Overnight trade in soybeans seeing us trending between around 10.02 to 10.08 per bushel. July corn erased intraday losses Tuesday, recovered to a moderately firmer close, and again an hour into the trading day, penny or two higher on this Wednesday. Yesterday's selling piercing support at the April 4th low at 396.5. Resistance seen right around 389 to 390 on that July corn contract. New crop December 405 and a fraction, up a penny and a fraction. For the wheats again, sharp advances Kansas City, Chicago, and Minneapolis too. For livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures, June up a dollar 42 at 10862. Feeder cattle August up 70 cents at 146.77. Lean hog futures June up a dollar 50 at 78.02. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up 92. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. It's a big week at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines World Pork Expo. Joining us now, past president of the National Pork Producers Council, Ken Mashoff. Ken, thanks for joining us. How are things going? Hey, Mike. Uh, good. we got a great day down here and a, a big crowd. So uh, uh, I think we're, we're, we're going to see a good show. I have to believe trade is very much on the minds of producers gathered there at World Pork Expo, especially now with Mexico announcing that it's going to retaliate uh, against the U.S. on products, including pork shoulders and legs. Yeah, I think that uh, when I said uh, 
that people are gathered here, I, I think, Mike, it is it's one of those uh, misery loves company. You know, everybody's kind of here together and and uh, and and talking through this. And and at this point, with the 10 percent uh, punitive uh, uh, tariffs that have been imposed, obviously in retaliation for last week's announcement on the steel and aluminum tariffs on Mexico and Canada, uh, we have uh, we've been told they're going to escalate to 20 percent. By July 5th, uh, and we're still trying to figure out uh, some of the products uh, that might not be covered, but it looks like the majority of uh, pork products are going to be. As you know, we export uh, very, very trade uh, dependent and and export about uh, a billion and a half dollars worth of pork to Mexico annually. You and I were in Dallas last week for World Meat Congress when the news broke about the uh, steel and aluminum tariffs and kind of just you were you were holding your breath at that point uh, waiting to see what Mexico would do but you kind of had a, a I'm sure it was in 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 your mind that uh, something like this was probably going to be coming yeah we we were very very hopeful that we went beyond the list uh, Mike and and uh, as you know uh, uh, in mid-April we were placed 25 uh, percent tariffs uh, by China uh, and the biggest the biggest single item to date to be hit in both of these tariffs is pork. If you think of the whole whole economy within the United States, and you think about uh, a poor industry here got got picked on a, a couple of times in a row. And and our thoughts were, uh, you know, the Mexican ambassador, uh, pardon me, the, uh, the the ambassador or the trade minister uh, from Mexico was there. So the equivalent of of Sunny Purdue, Sunny Purdue was at the meeting. Also the Canadian. Uh, agricultural minister, and literally while they were talking on stage, as you know, uh, uh, this news was breaking. So we've heard, we've heard uh, time and time again. Uh, you know, American farmers are great patriots, and uh, pork producers in particular are are kind of taking one uh, for for the team here, so to speak. And uh, it's it's tough here as as producers to know that uh, we've kind of been singled out. A couple of times in this battle, but uh, I don't want to say we're a we're a pawn, but we're just a little piece of a a much bigger bigger issue going on, and it, it, it's 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 taking a toll financially and emotionally on uh, on on these folks. I can see it. Yeah, pork was really singled out. Pork shoulders, ham, uh, these products um, they didn't just show up on the list by chance. I mean. This was Mexico sending a message, wasn't it? Yes, we're we're a global, Mike, as you know, we're a global, low-cost producer uh, with a terrific product. Uh, we're a shining star in the balance of trade argument. Uh, you know, we're heavily dependent on trade, and so, uh, uh, you know, when you have one of those shining stars that's doing their part to help America decrease its 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 trade imbalance, uh, it's it's tough. To become victims of, of this type of uh, retaliation, but uh, you know, pork is produced in in the red states, and and so all we have to do is take uh, the president and and Sonny Purdue at, at face value when they say they're not going to leave us out here hanging. Uh, uh, but we're taking we're taking on water fast. We understand that. We're talking with Ken Mashoff, past president of the National Pork Producers Council. News this morning that President Trump is now considering additional tariffs against Canada. 
the word is the White House is upset with uh, Canadian Prime Minister Trudeau for uh, their uh, retaliation and pushback against uh, the U.S. tariff. So, uh, boy, that's the fear. You, you get into these things, they can escalate quickly if cooler heads don't prevail. They can. They can, Mike. And, uh, you know, uh, China being our, our number two, uh, pardon me, number three trading partner, Mexico uh, rivaling Japan back and forth, but uh, currently number one. And, and Canada is number four, uh, right in there ahead of Korea, I believe. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we have a good relationship uh, with the Canadian pork producers and have worked with them, but, but we know that, uh, you know, our livelihoods are at stake here with this. So uh, all we want to do is continue to uh, – we ought to be playing offense. We got, like I said, we got one of those shining stars, a product that can really help deliver on offsetting uh, the balance of trade, and, and uh, we need to get back focused on – FTAs with Japan, you know, we, we lost out on TPP, uh, China, Vietnam, Malaysia, South American countries. Uh, but more importantly, we cannot abandon uh, the free trade agreements such as NAFTA and, and its benefits to U.S. agriculture as a whole. I know you have an agricultural uh, large, large listening audience, and, and uh, I just want to caution folks that, uh, you know, we're the ones – um, we're the ones being hit now, but uh, U.S. beef, uh, soybeans, uh, corn, the rest of agriculture, I'm afraid, is just around the corner on this. Yeah, you and the pork industry, you have to feel like you're in the crosshairs right now. You have the target on your back. You're really bearing a brunt of a lot of this. Uh, you're scheduled to have some pretty uh, high-ranking trade officials uh, from the administration at World Pork Expo. Are they still going to make it? Yes, they will. Uh, and... Uh, and we've talked to many of these individuals. You know, I, I, I do feel, Mike, we've got good friends, great friends on the Hill. We've also got uh, we've got good relationships uh, within the White House. And, uh, you know, again, we understand that, that there are bigger battles uh, to fight. And, uh, and we, 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 I guess, have been willing to, uh, uh, so to speak, uh, be participants in that in that battle, but at this point, it's it's tough. So we'll have those, those discussions with those individuals, and hopefully, there's some way that we can figure out uh, a means to uh, enhance uh, trade or exports somewhere else on the globe uh, while we get through these things. But we need to resolve these issues with our two primary closest neighbors for both political reasons and uh, and obviously economic reasons. We just we just got to have Canada and Mexico aligned with the U.S. when it comes uh, to trade and, and the economy. There's never a good time for this, but this is an especially bad time because your industry is expanding, uh, you, production is growing. You need these markets. Yeah, when you when you look at it, I, I heard the numbers. I think Steve Meyer said yesterday the estimate is 10 percent uh, production growth since 2015. I know Dermot Hayes has some additional numbers on that, but I don't think those are disputed. We had, what was it, five new packing plants uh, going up, uh, uh, one to be completed yet, uh, several to take on second shifts. That's going to happen because producers ramped up production uh, to fill that, and we were moving from our 24, 25% of our product exported to roughly, you know, Mike, when this is all done, we'll be at, at 30%. You might say, well, it's crazy. Why would, why would an industry do that? You know when all this is going on. At the time, 
that was prior to the elections. It was prior to uh, the two major candidates in the election talking uh, talking more about protectionism and less about uh, uh, free trade from the standpoint of uh, uh, allowing a low-cost uh, producer in, in the pork industry uh, the access that they're going to have uh, around the world if somebody retaliates against us. So as we built up production in this country, which made pure economic sense, when, you're, when you have the best product on the globe and you have the lowest cost and you have countries around the world clamoring to get your product, um, it's inevitable. It makes economic sense that you're going to gear up production. So, um, you know, and, and everybody cares about jobs. We all know 500,000-plus jobs created uh, by the pork sector alone, uh, 110,000 of those jobs uh, just for the export side. And, uh, yeah, the industry was built up. It has been built up. It makes every economic uh, makes all the economic sense in the world, but if, if we're being held back because of tariffs and barriers to entry, um, you know, we've heard people say uh, we've got to tear those down. We've got to figure out a way to do it, and, and uh, I'm still hopeful, uh, but it's a tough time for us. And with all that, you're still, I know there's a lot of positives going on. It'll be a great event there this week at World Pork Expo, a chance to really uh, promote pork and to talk about the benefits and what's going on elsewhere in the industry. Yep, I, as I've said, we'll be we'll be good patriots, but the general public needs to help out and just start eating more pork, and we'll be fine. All right, Ken, thanks for being with us, and uh, have a great World Pork Expo there at the Iowa State Fairgrounds in Des Moines. Good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. Take care. You too, Ken Mashoff from Illinois, past president of the National. Pork Producers Council. So, yeah, the uh, pork industry, the U.S. pork industry, really, uh, well, feeling the brunt of these uh, trade tensions as uh, you get the tariffs announced by the Trump administration on steel and aluminum, and Mexico comes right back and among uh, the products that they're hitting back on pork right there at the top of the list. So uh, these are tough times right now for the U.S. pork industry. What's going on with all this trade, uh, uh, with all these trade disputes? We're going to talk about it next with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. As I mentioned, uh, President Trump talking about uh, uh, doubling down on uh, the tariffs with Canada. He's not happy with the, the Canadian response. So uh, right now, at least publicly, it sounds like escalation of this dispute. Uh, we'll see how this all plays out. But we'll get Dave Salmonson's thoughts on this and where it could head, both with NAFTA and with China. Stay with us. We're talking trade on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month, and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. 
With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right, get four my pillows. 
two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, I guess the theme of the show today is tariffs and retaliation. Let's talk about it with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, I mentioned this in the last segment, talking with Ken Mashoff, past president of the National Pork Producers Council. It's the U.S. pork industry really feeling the brunt of a lot of this. But once you get into these things, tariffs and retaliation, uh, they can they can escalate rather quickly. So yeah, you really uh, you you hope some cooler heads step in and and kind of back this thing off before it gets out of hand. Well, we certainly hope that that is what happens. And the latest round of potential retaliation, the retaliation that's going to be coming from the European Union, Mexico, and Canada, uh, all go into effect either on July 1st or early in July. So you'd like to think, well, here's a few weeks, almost three weeks. Can uh, these countries and the U.S. get together on this steel and aluminum issue and somehow work something out before these... uh, uh, the retaliation from those countries goes into effect. You know, it's a wide variety of products, but a lot of ag products included with the manufacturers. So it's going to hit a, uh, potentially a lot of different parts of U.S. agriculture if all of this happens. Because you get a certain amount of public and political uh, positioning here. You have to you have to look like if you're one of these countries that tariffs get slapped on, they're going to have to show their people that they're, they're going to be tough in their response and uh, they're not just going to lie down and take it. So you get some of that posturing going on. But as you said, hopefully behind the scenes, negotiators can work some things out before a lot of this goes into effect. Although in the case of the U.S. pork industry, they're already feeling the impact of a lot of this, whether it's with China or, or these other countries. Well, they are. Of course, the, uh, China had put their retaliatory tariffs on back in uh, April or end of March because the initial U.S. steel tariffs, which were announced in March, uh, went into effect on China immediately. They're, they had no waiver, uh, period, like these other uh, countries have. So we've seen that our uh, pork exports to China have basically dried up uh, to a great extent. And um, now we're hopefully uh, we won't be facing that with uh, Mexico. Um, but it's uh, certainly a possibility there that there'll be an impact if these uh, if these 20% tariffs uh, from Mexico go into go into effect in a few weeks. And I hope people are working. Certainly, the ag groups and uh, you know business groups, otherwise, uh, all along the spectrum, are calling for continued dialogue, to continued negotiation. You know, you like to think, hope to think that tariffs are usually a means in this context of pressure. They're a means to get to further negotiations. They're a means to move the talks along because they're not about raising money. Uh, you know, if you have a high enough tariff that you stop somebody from exporting to you, well, you can't collect on tariff on a trade that doesn't happen. So that's not what tariffs are about. They're about to change another country's policies. Um, I think we all understand that. Everybody sees the impact that these can have. I certainly have the affected industries, agriculture being prominent among that has told the administration time and time again, and they know very well what impact this can have. And so let's hope that spurs discussions. 
you know, just upcoming this weekend, what's called the G7 group, which is the U.S. and Canada, several European countries, uh, and Japan are meeting in Quebec. And I'm sure this will be the top uh, topic of conversation in that meeting this weekend. No doubt. What do you make of the president's comments that he doesn't plan on pulling out of NAFTA, but he would prefer now to uh, negotiate with Mexico and Canada separately, not all three countries together? Well, we've heard variations of that before, and that was this week. They were kind of put together that, you know, he likes a bilateral approach. He doesn't they prefer not to have to do a, you know, all group. And I think he's going back to the point when NAFTA was first put together, there had been the previous U.S.-Canada uh, pact, as they called it, a U.S.-Canada trade agreement back in 1988. And then there was negotiations between the U.S. and Mexico, and there was some other common things, but basically those two things were put together and formed NAFTA in 93. So they were kind of two separate negotiations. And in the context of this NAFTA renegotiation, there are separate negotiations. There's some issues that are just between the U.S. and Canada. Some are just between the U.S. and Mexico. But there's all the common issues that are causing all the trouble, too, uh, that have really kind of brought the talks to a, NAFTA talks to a standstill, such as autos, uh, rules of origin, that's common, a sunset clause idea, government procurement ideas that are common among the three countries. Um, again, whether this is an idea to say, well, if we, we think we could do better just directly, but NAFTA kind of hangs together in the way it's been formed and the way it's worked over the last 25 years. Um, we just keep pushing the all sides to, uh, again, keep the negotiations going. You know, we may have run out of time to have an agreement uh, in a timely manner to have a bill passed by Congress this year, but the negotiations on this need to continue. Last week when I talked to the Mexican chief NAFTA negotiator, he said they tried to they were trying to keep these outside issues like tariffs out of the NAFTA negotiations, but it's hard to imagine that they can just negotiate in a vacuum that these aren't a part of uh, the atmosphere or in, uh, in some way have an impact on the talks. Well, you have to think that they do just because of the fact that it's a major issue between the countries that are now have their top negotiators working on the NAFTA. And also the fact that, of course, steel and aluminum, that's a part of autos and auto parts, which is the main issue, one of the main issues in NAFTA. And also the fact that the Commerce Department, at the President's direction, is doing a new investigation. And some of these hearings and comments are coming up fairly quickly into potential tariffs on all auto imports. So you've got a lot of multiple levels of our trade, especially driven by manufacturing issues on Canada, Mexico, and many other countries, of course, uh, Europe and China and all these other countries. But Canada and Mexico were intimately involved in all these different trade things, and so you figure it's all bound up also in the context of the NAFTA talks. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, sometimes it's not as uh, bad as it sounds like or looks like in the news, but yet it's, these are uh, kind of nervous times, I think, especially for U.S. agriculture. Dave, thanks for your perspective. Dave Salmonson, Senior Director of Congressional Relations. Uh, we'll stay in touch, Dave, as uh, these things can uh, continue to move forward. Thank you very much. You bet. All right. So, yep, trade, tariffs, and retaliation very much in the the news. We'll talk more about uh, these topics and more coming up tomorrow here on AOA. Also uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, look at the loss, the growing loss of 
farmland in the U.S. and how the Farm Bill might uh, address that, could address it. And we'll talk with the American Farmland Trust, among others, coming up tomorrow here on AOA. Hope you'll join us. Have a great day, everyone.